Hello and welcome to the LMI podcast. Today we begin a new mini-series looking at cross-cultural mission as recorded in the Book of Acts. Over the course of several episodes, we'll be looking at different passages and seeking to draw from them understanding and insight for the task of mission today. Whether that means reaching out cross-culturally in a local setting to share the gospel with migrant peoples or international neighbours, or stepping out across geographic and cultural borders to make contact with unreached people groups in another part of the world. So to begin, please open the Bible to Acts chapter 8, where we'll be focusing on Philip's cross-cultural mission, reading from verses 1 to 25. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practised magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptised, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Okay. So firstly, we need a little context for this passage. It begins with Saul's approval of an execution that had just occurred. So what on earth was going on? Well, that was, of course, the martyrdom of Stephen, 
which is recorded at the end of Acts chapter 7. That tragic incident proved to be the catalyst for a wave of persecution and opposition that came crashing in over the church in Jerusalem. As a result, all but the apostles fled. We see in verse 3 that Saul systematically attacked the church and believers were imprisoned. This would have been an extremely hostile environment to be in. Those who were on the run from persecution included Philip, who, as verse 5 shows, went to Samaria. We realise then that Philip's presence in Samaria was due to the climate of persecution in Jerusalem and not the result of some pre-planned outreach strategy of the church. But whilst his being there may not have been a part of a well-thought-out, well-researched missional endeavour, his actions once there certainly were intentional. The end of verse 5 tells us that Philip pointed the Samaritans towards the truth that Jesus was the Messiah or the Christ sent from God. A slightly fuller picture of what Philip said is also shown in verse 12, which mentions his preaching of the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. So it's clear then that Philip was a man with a message and he set about sharing that message with the Samaritans. We remember the Samaritans were historically of Jewish descent and yet by Philip's day the division and animosity between the two peoples which was very deeply entrenched was ever present. Now while there were differences in culture and ethnicity between Jews and Samaritans add to this the fact that Philip was a Hellenist, a Greek-speaking Jew and here we have an example of cross-cultural mission in the book of Acts. Philip's mission to Samaria was one of both word and wonders. Now we've mentioned his message already and in verses 7 and 13 we read of healings and victory over demonic powers which took place. This reminds us of the words of Jesus as he sent out the 12 apostles in Matthew 10 and the 72 in Luke 10 with instructions that included casting out demons and healing the sick. Now, tradition has it that the Philip we meet in Acts 8 was not the same Philip who was one of the twelve apostles. Equally, we don't know if Philip received instructions from Jesus as part of the 72. However, we do know from what is recorded about him in Acts that he's a disciple of Jesus. As such, he was called to carry out all that Jesus had commanded his first disciples, which included Jesus' command known as the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. When we make this connection, we can see that Philip's mission in Samaria was a wonderful example of obedient Christian witness. And my goodness, wasn't he used of God to make a great impact? We read in verse 6 that many paid attention to him. In verse 8 that there was a joyful response in the city and that many believed and were baptised according to verses 12 and 13. Now he may not have planned to be there, but since he was, he sought to proclaim Jesus. God, in turn, blessed his efforts, bringing transformation to the lives of many. News of this impact obviously reverberated back to the apostles in Jerusalem, because we read in verse 14 that Peter and John were sent to investigate. We then see a collaboration of effort as Peter and John pray for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. And after they laid hands on the Samaritans, that's exactly what happened according to verse 17. If we skip to the end of our passage, we're told in verse 25 of Peter and John's return to Jerusalem and how they preached the gospel to many Samaritan villages on the way. 
Cast your mind back to the Holy Spirit coming upon the early church at Pentecost and the miraculous sharing of God's wonderful ways in various languages so that a whole host of nationalities present in Jerusalem at the time marvelled at what was said about God in their own native languages. Now, it's interesting to note that despite that incredible event, in the period that followed, there'd been no intentional effort to carry the gospel further afield outside of Jerusalem, even though Jesus had commissioned his followers to do so. It would seem then that following this time with Philip on mission in Samaria, Peter and John's horizons were widened, encouraged by Philip's ministry perhaps. We'll certainly be exploring this further with a look at Peter's cross-cultural ministry in a future podcast episode, so do look out for that. The final thing we're going to note from this passage is the standout incident with Simon. We're told something of his background in relation to the occult in verse 9, the extent of his impact upon the people of Samaria in verses 10 and 11, which was considerable, and of his response to Philip's ministry in verse 13, that he believed and was baptised, joining with Philip. Now commentators surmise and differ over whether Simon's faith was genuine. It becomes clear from his interaction with Peter, recorded in 18 to 24, that Simon possessed a significant level of misunderstanding with regards to the Holy Spirit. That was directly addressed by Peter in verses 20 to 23. Now while it's good to examine the context and content of this passage as we just have, we don't want to stop there. We want to see what principles there are in this passage that might inform the cross-cultural missions effort today as we seek to reach the unreached. Now with that in mind, we're going to finish by briefly noting four things. Firstly, we need to recognise that the global mission task of disciple-making among all peoples is a command of Jesus to be obeyed and not an option to be considered. Philip may not have intentionally planned to go to Samaria, but once there and engaging in gospel mission to those in that context, it's clear that his efforts met with the blessing of God as many were healed, delivered and ultimately filled with the Holy Spirit. Rather than stumbling into the sharing of our faith as a result of circumstantial change, let's be intentional and proactive about this, especially when it comes to reaching folks with the good news who've never heard it. This is our mission. This is what God wants. And this is what Christ commands. Whether that means speaking, going, sending or praying as part of this activity, let's be intentional about our involvement. Secondly, when we reach out to others, let's be sure to follow Philip's example of centering our message upon Jesus so that we are sharing the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. That is the message. That is our message, and we must do all that we can to effectively share this with others. Cross-cultural communication to reach the unreached is no easy task, but driven on by the importance of this task, let's endeavour to ensure it is received and understood. Of course, along the way, we must recognise that there may well be experiences of misunderstanding and error that need to be addressed, just like the experience with Simon we noted earlier. Thirdly, we've been reminded that Philip's mission was one of word and wonders, that significant supernatural signs accompanied the proclamation of the gospel, and that the power of God was very much at work. In many cases today, when the gospel is carried to the unreached, particularly to those in the majority world, 
It more than likely means sharing the gospel in a context that is saturated with beliefs of other religions and those of an animistic nature. Sharing the good news in these situations will meet with the need to communicate truth and power effectively. Those involved in cross-cultural missions today must be aware of this, as people who place their faith and trust in Jesus are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. People who have been living in fear as a result of their animistic beliefs need to know that Jesus is the only one who holds all authority in heaven and earth. And that life in Christ means they need fear no longer. Finally, we noticed that collaboration took place in Samaria as Philip was joined by Peter and John. Today, this same mindset of cooperation is needed as cross-cultural mission workers seek to reach the unreached. The sharing of expertise, resources, wisdom and personnel is very much needed in the global task of disciple making. The next instalment in this series looking at cross-cultural mission in the book of Acts will continue with Philip and his gospel mission adventures, so do look out for that future episode. Now for information about Logos Ministries International and our work supporting mission around the world, please do visit us online at www.lmi-org.net Follow us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle LMI underscore connect or find us on Facebook by searching for Logos Min International. Thank you for listening and do join us next time on the LMI podcast.